Patriots fans, and welcome to the regular season edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast for the 2015 season here on the CLNS Radio Network. I am your host, Jeff Kane, at Boston Fat Guy on Twitter. Joining me, as always, is Bobby Kavitsky at Bobby underscore K91. Also on Twitter, you can follow CLNS Radio at CLNS Radio or on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Of course, follow our podcast at Patriots Beat or on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash Patriots Beat. Mere days away now, two days away from the Thursday kickoff between the New England Patriots, your Super Bowl champion New England Patriots, versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The fourth Lombardi banner will be raised. Tom Brady has defeated Deflategate, at least for the time being, and we are ready to talk a little bit about the Patriots and this upcoming game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Without any further ado, I'll bring in Bobby Kravitsky. Bobby, how you doing today? Jeff, I'm hyped up, and how could you not be? Regular season football is back. We are just days away from the kickoff of a new season here in the NFL. Like you said, Gillette is going to be electric as they unveil the fourth Super Bowl championship banner. Tom Brady is, of course, going to receive a raucous ovation. I can't wait to get to kickoff. I can't wait to get the kickoff either. we got a lot to talk about in a short period of time, as always, because I could talk about the Patriots 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want to hear our thoughts on Deflategate Defeated, you can go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots Postgame. That is also where you find all of our content for after every single Patriots game. Check it out there. Bobby, myself, and a cast of a, well, not thousands, but a cast of a few put together a, a great thing last Thursday night. You should check it out. So we're not going to talk any Deflategate tonight because that's put behind us. It's time for the 2015 season. Bobby, I got a Patscasm happening right now. You got another one. I didn't know if you got them all out during the last podcast, but it's good to see that you've got more room. My only hope is that you got more Kleenex by your side. <laughs> the old man does not need the blue pill when it comes to uh, the Patriots. The, the, uh, the nice blue jersey does it all for me. I hear you. Well, let's talk about this right now. I mean, obviously we know that the Patriots are going to come out, and they're going to come out pumped up. I mean, how can they not? Um, such a long off offseason uh, with what had happened. Brady cleared. Now here it is. I mean, kickoff is Thursday night. The banner's coming up. You have a team that is going to get some players back. They didn't. See, we did not see Julian Edelman at all this preseason. We did not see Rob Gronkowski at all this preseason. So this is huge. Yeah, to get your two marquee offensive weapons back is obviously huge for the Patriots. And both, especially in the, with the absence of Brandon LaFell, who starts the season on the PUP, become that much more important, especially Gronk, because of the dynamic that he brings to this offense. So I think what you're mostly going to see, Jeff, is the Patriots spread the Steelers out, attack Pittsburgh's secondary, which is the biggest weakness. It's the Achilles heel of the Steelers' defense, and utilize what has long been New England's bread and butter, the quick passing attack. Now, we remember the quick passing attack last year against the Detroit Lions and, of course, the quick passing attack in Super Bowl Forty Nine. We've talked about how they've attacked the Steelers in the past, and you're right. Even though Dick LeBeau is no longer the defensive coordinator, the basis stays the same in the Steel City uh, for what type of uh, defense they're going to run. They still teach the three, four principles. We'll see where we go from there. But passing it all over the field is what they w- will do, and... I'm excited to see, you know, the guys sit there and get up. We talked about Rob Gronkowski, what he could do. Julian Edelman, you talked about Brandon LaFell being on the uh, PUP to start the season. That brings third-year wide receiver Aaron Dobson into the mix here uh, as the ex-receiver. And he had a huge game in 2013, his best game as a pro against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I believe it was two touchdown catches, if I remember. I'd have to look back that at it. That is correct. Two touchdowns, five catches, and 130 yards for Dobson 
in that game his rookie year against the Steelers. So, I mean, this is a, a big stepping stone for him. They've done with Aaron Dobson, uh, actually with Brandon Fell this year, what I hope they did with Aaron Dobson last year. Of course, it didn't work out, but what they've done is they've put Brandon LaFell on the pup, let him heal up with that shoulder injury, and have him going. Now you bring Aaron Dobson in, and with all hope, uh, he stays healthy and develops that chemistry that caught 37 passes with uh, Tom Brady in 2013. Yeah, the Patriots are going to need Aaron Dobson to step up because there isn't much of a safety blanket behind him. Reggie Wayne retires. Kenbrell Tompkins figures to make his way up to the 53-man roster, possibly as early as in time for week two, but there just isn't much cushion behind Dobson, so they need him to not only stay healthy this season, especially these first six weeks without LaFell, but they also need him to produce at that X position. I agree with you. agree with you 100% there. Um, a little light on the uh, wide receiver position into week one. Now, of course, we all know that the team you bring onto the field in week one is not the same one that you end week 17 with. Injuries happen. Uh, players that jump up in performance, uh, you know, players that drop down in performance, guys who become, you know, on the practice squad that get brought up, trades in the middle of the season. I mean, we brought in, uh, the Patriots brought in Akeem Ayers last year. What a huge find he was going through. Jonathan Casillas came in. So even, even uh, you know, basically Akeem Tlaib a couple of years ago. So a lot thin at the wide receiver position. Another position that is looking a little crazy right now is that halfback position. Jonas Gray was released and does not seem to be coming back with the Patriots. He doesn't come back to the practice squad. Um this is a guy that went from the penthouse to the out outhouse of you know out of out of the house completely now. Yeah, he goes like you said, penthouse, doghouse, out of the house, out of Gillette Stadium. Reportedly has a workout with Tennessee. We'll see how that goes. But Jeff, I'm glad you bring up the running back position, which we know is your favorite, because James Devlin's season-ending injury is what really hurt Jonas Gray's chances at a roster spot something I didn't consider to be in jeopardy, especially with LeGarrette Blount suspended for the season opener. I still do think that Gray should have been on this team for week one. Then you can just swap him out with Blount for week two and beyond. But the reality is that without Devlin, this team will place even less of an emphasis on the power running game than they already did. So using a roster spot on a six running back who doesn't have special teams value it's just not something that Bill Belichick does. No, it's not. And especially where you get a little bit of redundancy between um, LeGarrette Blount and Jonas Gray. We talked about what we think the game plan will be for Thursday night where they'll spread them out. Well, you're not going to use Jonas Gray in a spread out set. You're just not. He, that's not where he goes with. So you're in you know, a spread out set, whether it be uh, you know, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a running back. Uh, or it be the two tight end package. Uh, you have a guy like Deion Lewis, a pleasant surprise in the uh, training camp this year and the uh, and the preseason. You have second year player and fourth former fourth round draft pick uh, White stepping in, James White from Wisconsin. Uh, I'd like to see what he does running. He ran pretty well. Now I know it was against you know the Carolina Panthers team that uh, you know had a bunch of painters out there, but I like the way that he ran the ball. Uh, this preseason, I like the way that he ran the ball on Thursday night. And again, talking about um, talking about uh, uh, Dion Lewis, what he was able to do, um, he reminded me a lot of Danny Woodhead. Uh, just that quick, sh- you know, shutterbug type of moves. I like what they're able to do there. And tr- uh, Cadet practice on Monday. So here we can look at Cadet who. Um, you know, got 10 carries last year for the Saints as being maybe that fifth wide receiver on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Cadet, it is interesting because we didn't get to see him play in the preseason. I also completely agree with your comparison between Deion Lewis and Danny Woodhead, two undersized backs who stand out for their acceleration and their quickness. Two guys who can get up to top top speed very quickly. Jeff, it's going to be interesting to see how the carries are divided between this group, something that's obviously going to be influenced by each one's performance. 
but the Patriots will use this game in order to help gain an understanding of who else besides Blount should be getting carries. We might also get a long look at Michael Williams, who could be used as an extra tackle-slash-blocking tight end to help a committee of running backs primarily known for their ability to contribute in the passing game. No, I agree with you there. Before we jump over, because I'd like to talk a little bit about Michael Williams, but before we jump over there, I'd like to just stop it for one quick second and say thank you to Reggie Wayne for proving what we all knew. The Colts just aren't tough. Man, Reggie Wayne, you talk about... I, I End of the career or not, I consider complaining that training camp is too hard. In one way, good for him to know his body. In another way, just like you're saying... That that is soft, in my opinion. That is that is vintage Indianapolis Colts. I play in a dome. I can't handle putting in a, lex- a little extra hard work. Yeah, Re- Reggie Wayne. I guess it tells you that the Patriots wouldn't have been able to rely on him much this year. So maybe those scouts and evaluators who were pointing a finger saying this is a bad signing. Reggie Wayne has nothing left in the tank. I guess you tip your cap to those guys. Exactly. And I actually thought Wayne ran some pretty nice routes on uh, Thursday night. But And the other thing that he, where, he, where he says you know it was too hard and it wasn't fun anymore. Well, this is your job, man. It's not supposed to be fun. If it, w- if it was fun, you wouldn't call it work. This is your job, dude. You know? And it, it, it does make me laugh a little bit as he came out. You know, he said it was too hard. Well, it's not like he was out doing two-a-days in the sun. They don't do that anymore. Secondly, he joined for a week and a half. Two weeks. Played in two games. Without, you know, I would have at least liked to have seen him wait to put in some more work with Tom Brady. Yeah, exactly. Reggie, you had a great career in Indianapolis, but there's a reason you only have one ring. And the reason that you only have one ring is because your team is not strong. And that goes to the Indianapolis Colts fans out there as well. They sit there and say that they're going to win the Super Bowl this year and Andrew Luck and this and that. Listen, Grigson is building his team the same way Polian did. Make, turning around, putting together a team that you know can score a bunch of points and, and offensive fire shows inside that dome. And then hopefully you get uh, you know uh, home field advantage so you can make it to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the only time they beat the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl was when they were at home and they had to come back from a 20-3 to deficit. But they're just not built for the end of the season. They're not strong. They're not tough. So enough bitching about the Colts here because this is a Patriots show. But I just had to, you know, give a little dig there because, you know, those a-holes of Colt fans have been digging at us all all offseason long, even though we put a whooping on them 45-7. to Yeah, I can't hear them over the Patriots' four rings. And, Jeff, the fact that... Malcolm Brown is not a Colt is still something that I cannot wrap my head around. You know, I cannot wrap my head around it either because I remember sitting there, uh, you know, draft day and looking and we got the reports from Shalise Manza Young that the Patriots were going to trade out of the 32nd pick with the Houston Texans. Uh, you know, we'd all sat there all night long and we were like, oh. But when you looked what was on the board, you looked at the Indianapolis Colts obviously needing to get some run defense there because they suck at stopping the run. You have Malcolm Brown, the perfect guy to step in and be a run-stuffing you know, defensive tackle. I'm excited about Brown this year. They pass him for Philip Dorsett while they already have T.Y. Hilton. They, they had just signed Andrew, uh, Andre Johnson. They had a great year from uh, Mosscrief, and they have two tight ends. And you're you're taking a guy who's going to be the fifth, sixth, maybe seventh option. What are you doing? What's Gregson doing? <laughs> it just it makes me laugh. So their blunder makes me uh, makes me happy. And, and I and I screwed up the guy's name, but it's Moncrief. But you know what? I'm a, I'm an idiot. You know I can't even say uh, Ledevian Bell. You still that Jeff? Where? We're Damn it, a I couple days that. away from the opener. Thank God you don't have to know his name for Thursday night because he's not playing, of course. So you, you skate away on that one as Le'Veon Bell. Michael Humanawanui. Yeah, I don't know how you get that one, but not Le'Veon Bell. Le, Le'Veon Bell. There we go. Le'Veon Bell. I'll still call him Ladanian Bell. Give him a golf clap, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
Let's jump back a little bit here because we uh, we started to talk about Michael Williams, uh, the tight end slash tackle that was um, traded for by the uh, Detroit Lions. And I really like this this player, and there's a reason I like this player. Cameron Fleming, who was released and, again, uh, Monday re-signed with the Patriots on their practice squad. I'm happy for that because I think Cameron Fleming can be a good tackle in this league, maybe a good guard. But with Williams, they have a guy who played tackle in the NFL, played tight end in uh, college. The Patriots have him as number 85 and playing tight end. This is a guy right now where I look at it, and I remember last year when the Patriots had to run, they would bring in Cameron Fleming. They'd have to have six um, you know, offensive linemen to run the ball well, but when they brought in that six offensive lineman, you were taking a pass catcher off the field. Now, while Williams isn't the best pass catcher out there, he still has a tight end number. He still has caught the ball in the past it gives you a little something different to be able to do. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's funny. You know, I've watched plenty of Michael Williams from when he was playing at Alabama, and I also was sure to read Mike Loiko's scouting report on him. And in terms of his pass catching, he's most effective, and given his lack of speed, this won't surprise you, he's most effective in the red zone. He's usually able to find a soft crease or just use his size in the back of the end zone on fades. But the Patriots have been, people have been getting really excited about the dynamic between Gronk and Scott Chandler this year. We didn't get to see, really at all, we didn't get to see those two work together in the preseason. So I'm just you know, not sure, you know, how often they're going to roll with three tight ends and have it be those three. It'll be interesting to see when they get to the red zone, how often they mix and match, how often all three are on the field together, if at all, because it certainly presents a difficult dynamic for defenses to stop. You can, of course, put one on each side of the field and then bring one to the middle as they run their routes. You know, two fades and a guy in the back of the end zone is tough to stop. That's a lot of size right there. It's a ton of size right there. The Twin Towers are going to take over this year. They're going to take over. (laughs) (laughs) But I like what the Patriots have on offense. Um... I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, Saturday when the cuts were made, I was looking at that and going, oh, man, this doesn't look so great. You know, look at the wide receiver position. You know, look at the – there's no real running back for week one. But then I'm thinking, you know, LeGarrette Blount can do it. And I'd like to see them go along with, you know, lighter running backs that can pass catch and, you know, be more diverse. Who says you have to have a big back and a small back? And I love what they got on defense. Yeah, this is my biggest concern – about the running game. And what I'm interested to see on Thursday is how these backs perform in pass protection. We already talked about the fact that Shavaris Cadet didn't play a preseason game, so we didn't get a good chance to evaluate his ability as a pass blocker. We, he's only 6'1", 210. Deion Lewis and James White, they look solid in pass protection. Both had some ups and downs in the preseason in that particular area. Can they carry the momentum they were able to generate over into the regular season where they're going against opponents, starters for a full game. It's going to be interesting to see. I know you're itching to talk about the defense, but that area, the, these, the ability to pick up blitzes is worth monitoring, in my opinion. You know, I look at uh, Cadet, and I just find him to be the fifth wide receiver. That's what I'm looking at right there. He looked great the first couple days of camp, catching the ball out of the backfield lining up split out wide. I'm extremely excited to see him catch the ball. Whether or not he's active uh, week one will be one thing to look at. But you know what? I loved what Deion Lewis brought. Again, looking uh, at him as a uh, a Danny Woodhead clone, it's a good thing. I I, I like what we have there. Um, James White, again, I like what they have there. And we we haven't talked about is Brandon Bolden. You guys know my feelings for this guy. I have no love for this guy as a running back. I think he's a great special teams player, and I hope, and I know I'm wrong, but I hope they're not handing the ball to him 10 times on Monday, uh, on Thursday versus the Steelers because he's just not that good, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's one of those where he can do a little bit of everything, but 
isn't great at one at any one particular area offensively. We know what he brings to the table, special teams, core four guy. That's why he's on this roster. And as a running back, yeah, he can come out of the backfield. Yeah, you know, he's got the size to be a lead back, but he doesn't excel in either one of those areas, to say the least, to be blunt about it. And so, (laughs) exactly. And so I don't think that Brandon Bolden will get 10 carries, but I definitely think you're going to see him get fed the ball a couple of times in the opener. I'm sure he will get fed the ball a couple times in the opener, and he'll probably even start uh, in the opener because that's what they'll do. They'll have him come out and start, and I don't like it. But you know what? Again, as I said many, many times before, uh, there's a reason I sit on the couch and drink beer and Bill Belichick coaches. Although the last time the Patriots and Steelers played, Brandon Bolden probably had one of his best games of all time outside of those uh, two weeks against Buffalo and then – against the Denver Broncos back in the 2012 season, I want to say. Carried the ball three times for 36 yards. Um, and it's a, it's hurts a little bit that we don't have LeGarrette Blount because he ran it five times for 47 in that game. And Stephen Ridley, 26 times for 115 yards. He, of course, is on the bench for the New York Jets. Yeah, I'm interested to see what type of season the Riddler has, You know whether or not his woes, Handing on, holding on to the football continues, so we'll see. But like you said, Brandon Bolden averaged 12 yards per carry thanks largely to a 14-yard run against Pittsburgh back in 2013. We'll see if he can replicate some of that success, just like we're looking for Aaron Dobson to replicate some of that success. And from a seasonal outpoint, Jeff, we're looking for Brian Stork to replicate the success he had from year one as a rookie. But the problem is he missed the beginning of last year with injuries. It looks right now that concussion is going to keep him out of the opener. What type of That's scary. what type of combination on the interior of the line would you go with? Whether it's Wendell at center and Klein at left guard, you start the rookie Shaq Mason. What interior combination do you like, Jeff? Well, other than the first week of the season, uh, the preseason against the uh, Green Bay Packers, where they let up seven sacks. Thought the uh, interior offensive line did okay. Um, if I'm gonna sit there, I'm using Ryan Wendell as my center. If Brian Stork can't play, he has played center before. He started at center in the Super Bowl in 2011. Um, you know he's a calming presence. And then I'm gonna have um, Trey Jackson at right guard. I love him. He's a plug and play starter. Um, you know he's gonna learn on the job, but he's he's not gonna cost you games. Left guard I'm a little concerned about uh, right now because I feel that for Nate Soldier to be at his best, he needs good guard play. Uh, We saw that last year. Once they got Dan Conley over to left guard, Soldier became better. He didn't have to worry about, um, you know, the inside um, pressure. He didn't have to worry about the C-gap there. Uh, He was able to just sit back and work his way to the outside. He had Dan Conley going there, and that helped with – uh, Brian Stork being able to play both the A-gaps and play very, very well. So without Stork in there, I don't want to see Shaq Mason, even though I think long-term he's going to be a very good guard in this league, does some great things uh, in run protection, uh, run blocking. Pass protection is where I'm scared. I would bring in uh, Klein uh, to be the starting uh, left guard for the first game of the season. Listen, Klein's not going to be your starter for 16 games, but in a pinch, He's the best guard you got on the team right now because I don't want to see Marcus Cannon trying to play left guard again. Klein held up just fine when he took over in the AFC divisional round against the Ravens. He was fine in the blowout against the Colts in the AFC championship. And then luckily, of course, Stork came back for the Super Bowl. So I do agree with you, just especially because of what the game plan figures to be against Pittsburgh, where it's going to be such a pass-oriented offensive attack. I've, that's Jack Mason's weakness, of course, which is not his fault. He's just got a lot to learn coming from Georgia Tech and the triple option offense. So no knock against Mason. It's obviously something that he's working to get better on, but there's such a learning curve for him in that area, and it's such a strong component. It's the primary component of how the Patriots' offense operates, and that's going to be especially true come opening night. So that's why, just like you, I'm in agreement and would like to see Josh Klein 
at left guard, Wendell at center. You can certainly rotate Mason in and get him reps, but I think he's better off in that role as opposed to starting week one. I agree with you 100% there. And before we swap sides of the ball, let's take this time to uh, listen to our sponsors. Hey, football fans, this is Jeff Kane, the voice of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLS Radio. And the moment you've all been waiting for is almost here because football is just around the corner. And you could start the season by winning $2 million in week one at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick your players, pile up the points, pick up the cash, that's it. Why wait until the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every week? You can get started playing right now. Prepare the regular season with preseason contests running through August. You've already been scouting players for your season-long fantasy team. Put that knowledge to the test every week this football season at DraftKings.com where you could turn your love of football into lifetime cash. Hurry to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code NEWENGLAND to play for free for a shot at $2 million in Week 1 Millionaire Maker. Enter New England for the free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. All right, football fans, so we just heard a little bit about DraftKings, that one-day fantasy football. I'm giving it a shot this year. Every single week here on Patriots Beat at Boston Fat Guy, we'll be talking a little fantasy on the Patriots Beat podcast here, and I'm giving you my predictions this week. This is my team in the uh, DraftKings this week, and uh, hopefully I do all right. We'll see how it happens. The way it works here is you pick a bunch of different players, um, you know, at different positions. The league that I'm joining right now. Um, you get a QB, run, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a flex, and a defense special teams. Got to stay under the $50,000 limit. So here's what I do. This is the Boston Fat Guy DraftKings lineup of the week. Listen, Patriots beat. Why the hell wouldn't I take QB Tom Brady? Cost me $7,700 right there. $7,700 for Tom Brady. I'm excited what he's going to do against Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Last year scored 20.1 fantasy points per game. My running backs. Everyone sits there and says, oh, what are you doing with running backs here? You know, running backs the way to go. Well, running backs are expensive. Eddie Lacy uh, going up against the Chicago Bears. Eddie Lacy, $7,500. I'm loving him. My next pick is a little bit of a flyer here on Jonathan Stewart without D'Angelo Williams being in uh, Carolina this year. And going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm taking Jonathan Stewart. I think he's going to have a big game. Wide receivers, listen, there's the big names out there. you got the Calvin Johnsons. you got you know the Antonio Browns. I'm not taking a Steeler against my Patriots. I can't root for someone like that. I'm going with Kendall Wright. Tampa Bay versus Tennessee, of course, right playing for Tennessee. Got Marcus Mariota. That's going to be a great game there. Marcus Mariota versus Jameis, Wils- Win- uh, Jameis Winston, uh, Tennessee versus Tampa Bay. Cost me $5,100. I'm liking that. Vincent Jackson, uh, again, staying at this Tampa Bay-Tennessee game. Jameis Winston, what's he going to do? Listen, you can go Mark Evans. That's not a great, that's not a bad thing at all. Mark Evans is going to cost you almost eight grand. I'm going at six grand with Vincent Jackson and seeing what happens. Rolling the dice with the two rookie corner, uh, quarterbacks here uh, and taking their wide receivers in Kendall Wright and Vincent Jackson. And I have a feeling, though, that I'll be doing okay. My last wide receiver position, you heard me talk about him on the podcast. You know how much I love this guy. And what a bargain at $3,000. His best game in his career came against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Aaron Dobson. Now, he could throw up a big goose egg on me. He could absolutely dominate like he did last time. We're taking a little flyer here. Aaron Dobson, wide receiver for the New England Patriots. I'm selecting him. There we go. Then we go to the tight end. Well, you know what? I threw some money on not Rob Gronkowski because he was cost me $7,700. I went with the next tight end, Jimmy Graham. Who knows what's going to happen this year with him in uh, in Seattle? Uh, you know, maybe they score a touchdown to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl if Jimmy Graham's on the field. I'm excited for him. Cost me $5,600 to see where we go up there. I'm taking Jimmy Graham. My uh, my flex, 
Listen, I'm going with a rookie out of Wisconsin uh, versus Detroit. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Now, you sit there, Jeff, what are you doing? Against Detroit's defense? Well, they're missing Nick Farley and they're missing Indomitian Sue this year. They're not going to be as good against the run. Uh, Melvin Gordon tore it up in college football last year. I'm taking Melvin Gordon, 5500 bucks. Rounding my team off will be the Dolphins' defense against Washington. Kirk Cousins is starting that game. The Dolphins have a very good defense. They had a good defense last year. They've added Indomitian Sue. Why not go uh, with the Dolphins here against a weak team? Dolphins costing you three grand. My lineup there brought to you by DraftKings and CLNS Radio. My lineup there cost me uh, $49,200. I've hit the submit, and I'm ready to roll. Hopefully next week I'll be a millionaire. Catch you guys, and let's get back to the Patriots Beat Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Radio Network. I'm your host, Jeff Kane, along with Bobby Kravitsky. Follow us both on Twitter, at BostonFatGuy for myself, and at Bobby underscore K91 for Mr. Kravitsky. And uh, we're just talking a little bit here about the Patriots. We just had our Fantasy Minute, our 5-10 minutes, but uh, you know, got to love Fantasy and got to love DraftKings the one-day uh, draft fantasy football thing that I'm just going to dominate. I'm going to be a millionaire at this time next year. But. You're going to be like those two Pats fans on the DraftKings commercial holding up the big check. Yep, yep. I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna bring that big check, you know, Billy Madison style or uh, Happy Gilmore style to the bank to uh, to get it cashed. There we go. You know, dare to dream. Yeah, uh, someone's got to do it for me, right? Well, at least with DraftKings, like the guys in the commercial. You got a chance of making that a reality. Yeah, except for those other guys that do that. They're so much smarter than I am. <laughs> you're giving so, out fantasy <laughs> advice and then talking about how you know you're not equipped to do this. Well, I, if I was you, you know, I definitely would not take my picks. I don't want you to take my picks because, you know, if I get it right, I don't want you to win too. But no, I, you know, there's guys out there that go crazy on this fantasy stuff, but. Let's let's switch it over a little bit here to the defensive side of the ball because completely completely different defense this year than we had last year. Last year we were talking about Darrell Rebus and we were talking about Vince Wilfork and we were talking about Brandon Browner and we were talking about you know all these players that were going to make this huge difference uh, for the Patriots. Now they went on they won Super Bowl forty nine, but there is more than one way to skin a cat. And here come the Patriots, a front seven that's looking pretty dominant. And this defensive line, Bobby, just talk about this for a second. I'll tell you, one area to monitor, because the the front seven is clearly the strength of this defense, Jabal Sheard is a player to watch. He may prove to be the steal of free agency. And I'm curious to see how many snaps he gets, because, Jeff, we talked about on the podcast, a couple of weeks ago, the fact that he also showed he's effective against the run as well. He's not just a one-dimensional player, not strictly a pass rusher. It appears to be at least based on preseason tape. So I'm curious to see how many snaps he gets because the bottom line is they know they need to reduce Rob Ninkovich and Chandler Jones' snaps. So how much Sheard plays and how effective he is now that it's the Regular season is certainly an area worth monitoring. It certainly is an area worth monitoring. And I love Sheard. I love Sheard. You know, he was able to set the edge on runs. He was, you know, I mean, if you ever remember listening to the Patriots on on the radio with Gino Capaletti, and he would be saying, hemmed in, hemmed in, hemmed in, and tackled for a loss, that was what we got out of guys like Richard Seymour and Ty Warren uh, and and Mike Frable. Well, Sheard reminds me of that type of player, the Willie McGinnis type, the guy who can kind of move all over the place. The fact that he can play with his hand in the ground or standing up and be able to attack the outside of the defense, not only uh, for pass rushing, but also for run stopping, I love that. Yeah, I think Sheard is a player who gets great, you know, great burst off the line and does a really nice job of, shedding blockers he's able to drive his guy back and then shed him and go make a play so it was something really nice to watch one game that really stood out was how he performed against Carolina 
Doug Kide of Nesson.com touched on it, had a couple of videos. If people want to go check that out, I'd recommend it, where you can really see what we're talking about here on this podcast, his ability to just that quick burst, quick reaction off the line, quick get off, and then using that and having it translate into power to drive his blocker back and then shed him, go make the tackle. It was really nice to see, and it's why I'd like to see Sheard get even more snaps than just be relegated to someone who comes in in obvious passing situations. Now, before we get talking about the other stalwarts in Chandler Jones and Rob Ninkovich, a guy that really showed some things um, this preseason was Trey Flowers. He could be the steal of the draft. Yeah, Trey Flowers is an absolute beast from what we've seen in the preseason. So, you know, he's fourth on that pass rush depth chart, but he might get a lot of reps in the interior, especially because there's going to be an emphasis this game against Pittsburgh in generating pressure up the middle. Marquise Pouncey is on short-term IR, which for the Steelers, quite frankly, is just as big a loss as Le'Veon Bell is. So expect the Patriots to test Pittsburgh early and often up the middle. Lots of twists, A-gap blitzes, delayed blitzes, and you mentioned Flowers. They might even utilize the NASCAR package at times, which is going to help him get onto the field more than just special teams. So I'm excited to see how much Flowers plays and what type of impact he's able to make because he really did impress in the preseason. Gentlemen, start your engine the New England 500 starts Thursday night with the NASCAR uh, package. I can't wait. I can't wait. But listen, you talked about, we talked about, you know, Sheard, we talked about Flowers. You got guys coming back in Chandler Jones and Rob Ninkovich. Um, Jones looks to be completely healed from his hip injury, looking to get that good step, uh, that first step. Looks a little heavier up top. Uh, Maybe he'll be able to get more on the inside shoulder of the tackle and get in between that, uh, uh, that C gap there, the B gap there. Um, I'm excited to see what happens there. I'm also excited to see with Rob Ninkovich because this is another guy who we saw earlier in the preseason when they had Sheard starting at defensive end, although it was because of injuries, you saw Ninkovich standing up, and he is a former linebacker. I'm loving the versatility that Jones, Sheard, Flowers, and, uh, and Ninkovich are bringing. The more you can do, the more likely you are to get on the field Rob Ninkovich, already a starter, but he also represents some of the unconventional depth the Patriots have at linebacker, where if you look at it from a pure linebacker's perspective, they've really only got four guys with the three starters, of course, Mayo, Hightower, Collins, and then Jonathan Freeney. And Eric Morris is a linebacker, but he's really just a pass rusher, and we didn't even see that much of him in training camp or the preseason. But Ninkovich is a guy who's got a track record, brings dependability to that position. One of the things we saw he was so effective last season was when he would drop back from the defensive end position into coverage. So you know he's also reliable in that regard as well, which is nice to see. So whether it's going sub and just having two linebackers on the field, whether it's dropping Ninkovich back, which opens up more reps for Jabal Sheard, it's nice to see the versatility they have in that front seven, and it allows some of their depth to be properly utilized. It will, and now let's swap it over a little bit to the interior because I said it in the off season. I'm getting a little patsgasm here, man. I'm getting a little patsgasm. Dominic Easley, he's going to tear it up. I, I can't believe my eyes when I continue to read Geno Atkins type, and we're seeing some of the most well-respected Patriots reporters use that comparison, and it gets me really excited. I wasn't quite that high, and I don't think they're suggesting that right off the bat, year two, he's going to perform at the same level as Geno Atkins, just that he is that type of player. So he had a good preseason. There's no doubt about that. But I'm still of the mentality when it comes to Dominic Easley Show me. Prove it. You know, it's it's time for him to get it done. Results on the field is what we're looking for from Dominique Easley. Because I also think, Jeff, that the starting defensive tackles on this team are Malcolm Brown and Silver Saliga. 
So he's really coming in as an interior pass rusher in that role. So, you know, he's not getting the lion's share of the snaps here, but he will play a lot, and the Patriots certainly need him. He, he's the only true interior pass rusher they have. The other guys are mostly defensive ends with the ability to be converted inside. He's the only one whose best spot is on the interior, so he's got to produce in that role, and I hope like hell that he does. The reason I really like Easley is because he can play uh, defensive tackle. He can also go out and play five technique in that 3-4 and set the edge. That's what he did best as a rookie. While he didn't have that burst, he was able to do that as a rookie, you know, hold hold the line at the end there. So I'm excited to see what Dominic Easley can do. I I, I don't know if Malcolm Brown starts right off. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I got I, him starting right off the bat. He was more impressive to me than Easley was in the preseason. What's your thoughts on Alan Branch? Alan Branch, quite frankly, did not show anything in the preseason. It wouldn't have shocked me if he had been cut, but he's here. The goal is to just keep him motivated because he knows, hey, you know, I'm, I'm third on the depth chart when it comes to big body defensive tackles. He's behind both Brown and Saliga, who I mentioned I have as the starting defensive tackles. So Alan Branch is just a guy who they're going to have to find ways for him to be happy about his role on this team. He was last year, and they paid him this offseason. So I don't see, you know, why he has any reason to pout. And maybe I'm just reading that wrong from an outside perspective, but he's got to stay motivated and stay hungry because they will need him to contribute. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised that Alan Branch made this team uh, because he played uh, in that fourth preseason game. Of course, someone's got to play in the fourth preseason game. Um, but I was surprised. And then when he had the late hit that you know drew a flag, of course, and continued to drive, I'm like, that that's some stupid football right there. You know, you want to be aggressive, but you don't want to play stupid football. And I thought, all right, you know, with Salinga out there, um, you know, with a guy like Malcolm Brown, um, I thought for sure that maybe they would – you know, move on with from him um, and, and go on. But you know what? He's a big body player. Um, Alan Branch is six foot six, three fifty. He's got a wide butt. He can play. Um, we'll see as the season wears on where exactly things happen because right now they have some great depth at the defensive line position. But one or two injuries, just like last year at linebacker, one or two injuries. And you're starting over from day one. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, that's the concern with Gerard Mayo and Dante Hightower, two excellent players, two leaders on this defense, but both of whom are coming off of injuries. And they both got action in the preseason, which was nice to see. The question now becomes, as we turn our attention to the regular season, will they get every snap, or do do Belichick and Matt Patricia – try and pace them in week one and beyond. I think that's where we step up and we see, uh, you know, Ninkovich getting some time at linebacker, Sheard getting some time at linebacker. Um, you could even see Jonathan Freeney um, get some time at linebacker. So it'll be interesting to see as things progress. I mean, even Rufus Johnson, um, who to me had a great camp. Uh, one of the surprises of the camp uh, you know, he can play defensive line or linebacker. So I'm excited to see what this youth can do. Listen, this team isn't, you know, looking like the team of last year. Uh, but there were still question marks going into last year. This year, I think there are less question marks on the entire team than there were last year. The biggest question mark is the secondary and how they're going to end up playing. But as a team... I think this could be a very good team. T E A M team. Yeah, I'm really liking and the way No Revis and team. Well, well done. And I'm I'm really liking the way that this roster is comprised, especially the top 46, which for as much as depth matters and it's not that you know 47 through 53 plus the practice squad guys don't matter, it's just that they don't play on game day. And so this top 46, I think, is very balanced. I think there's a lot of depth on this team. And even where, 
you know, people make a big reaction about Jonas Gray being cut. That was certainly, you know, one that caught people's attention. But the reality is that with the running back, with the running game, excuse me, just being a complimentary feature to this offense, as soon as LeGarrette Blount comes back, they really don't need Jonas Gray taking up a roster spot. He doesn't have special teams value. So his lack of versatility hurt him in the end. I do think, you know, it would have been fine to have him here for week one and then move on from Jonas Gray with LeGarrette Blount ready to go and take over from week two and beyond. But as you said a number of times, we just sit here and watch the games from the couch. Phil Belichick gets paid millions of dollars and is the best head coach in the game. So that's why he's there, and that's why we're on the couch on Sundays. <laughs> exactly. And you might sit here. I chug it. Yeah, okay. You got me on a technicality there. I guess I worded that poorly. What are we, what are we wine connoisseurs? You sip wine, you chug beer. Pinkies up? <laughs> Pinkies up, baby. little tea time. Uh, I'll get the raspberry wine coolers ready for Thursday. <laughs> Do they still have Barnum and James? Now, you're young. You're hip. You're, you know what's going on. Uh, Barnum and James, those old bastards that made wine coolers, do, do girls still drink those? I don't think so. I'm not really up to date on my wine coolers, but I, I don't think those are still a thing. Oh, they were They were the thing. I'm telling you right now. When I was your age, they were the thing. That's good to know. You know, I'm getting a history lesson on wine coolers, so yeah, not, what I, yeah, wine. not what I expected just a couple of days before kickoff, but I'll make a mental note. Yeah, you should catch this on the Beats and Eats Network. That's where we would talk about wine and, and, and tea and connoisseurs. Always check out uh, Nick Gelso and Ty Ray on the Beats and Eats Network, and, and they'll talk to you about wine, cheese, you know, chefs, all that good stuff. I check it out there. For sure. We're going to have to call in for an episode. You know, we had callers... On last week's podcast, we're going to have to call in, have a little conference call about what wines go with what cheeses and whatnot. I know. I love cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese is so good. I had a cheeseburger today, if that counts. I'm going to pick up some Irish Porter cheese, $20 for a pound at the local uh, at the local butcher. That sounds delicious. I might come over for that. Oh, man, let me tell you right now, you throw a little... Uh, cheddar and it's and it's a little cheddar and it's a little porter beer and, and you drink it with a Guinness it's like amazing but we're getting off topic here because we got everyone's favorite topic to talk about and that's the secondary kid yes sir I you know it's funny for all the concern there was and I know it's a great talking point to be used on talk radio and on television that Darrell Revis is gone Brandon Brown is gone but the reality is there's a lot to like about the way the secondary looks heading into the regular season. Malcolm Brown, Malcolm Butler, excuse me, has had such a good training camp that it prompted my co-host Jeff Kane to write a nice little comparison for ESPN New Hampshire that you're going to want to check out between Tom Brady's first Super Bowl and Malcolm Butler's first Super Bowl, both 24 years old at the time of their respective first Super Bowl appearances. And both stepped up and, of course, made big plays that resulted in two of the four Lombardi trophies that were brought home to Gillette Stadium. So you're going to want to read that because I'm telling you, it's a fascinating and insightful read. Malcolm Butler has stood out in training camp and locked down that left cornerback position really from day one, which was nice to see. Terrell Brown has looked very good. I like him more at right cornerback, so I'm hoping he's there. Bradley Fletcher... At one point, I had him off the roster. Then I had him on. Now he's worked his way all the way up to being the number three guy, maybe even starting at right corner because he's so much better on the outside than he is when you try to make him a more versatile player and work him in the slot. Part of that is, of course, due to his size. He's the biggest, most sturdy corner the Patriots have. So it might work out that Terrell Brown is in the slot, Fletcher starting, on the right side of the defense. And I'm fine with that too. You know, Brown is slightly less effective, but still effective in the slot. Yeah. I like, uh, I like what we got here and it's going to be, you know, some team defense and thank you very much for that plug for ESPN, New Um, worked really hard on that one. You can find it there. It is, uh, uh, Tom Brady and Malcolm Butler, two, 
two players, two championships. I think that's what I worded it. I can't really remember. <laughs> but it took a lot of time, and I thanks a lot, Bobby. I appreciate you putting out there. And listen, I love what Malcolm Butler has uh, has brought out there. I, I, I really do. Is he going to be Revis Island? No, but you know what? They're calling him the strap. I like that. You know what? And it's going to be team defense. And Malcolm Butler can play team defense because there's no I in team, but there is in Revis. And man, you are just taking shot after shot at Darrell Revis today on the podcast. I mean, <laughs> you didn't even get this out on the podcast right after he departed, waiting until right before the season opener. Bold move, Jeff Kane. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Kane won, Darrell Revis none. You know, he might have something to say about that. I don't know if I'm on your side when it comes to that, but you're certainly getting your licks in this podcast. <laughs> Jeff, another area to monitor in that secondary is, of course, the safety position, that back half of the field. And yeah, six safeties on the roster. Yeah, which, you know, I think you could see it coming. We talked about last week that it was just so hard to decipher who would edge who out in the battle between Nate Ebner and Tavon Wilson. Turns out they both make the squad. And so, but, it, you know, those guys are really just special teamers. What I'm interested to see is that we know that Belichick and Patricia would love to move Devin McCourty around, maybe line him up on tight ends at times and number three wide receivers here and there. But Deron Harmon, let's face it, did not play all that well when Manning center field in the preseason. So how much confidence do they have to put him back there now that the regular season's here and let McCourty go do his thing and move up closer to the line of scrimmage? I'm interested to see how often they do it and how Deron Harmon produces if ever given the responsibility of Manning center field. I expect Ron Harmon to uh, definitely get get up and get some playing time. I mean, this is a guy who was on the field, um, you know, at the end of the Baltimore game, you know, when it was past situations. He's out on the field. He makes that interception uh, in the divisional playoffs to, w- to help win the game. Um, he, of course, was on the field um, against Seattle in the Super Bowl. Had he knocked away the pass and a little more uh, – you know, egregious and went after the thing. Uh, maybe Javon Curse doesn't catch that ball. Um, or Jermaine Curse. Javon Curse was the freak. Was just Jermaine about to Kirst. correct you. <laughs> you. Don't you ever correct me. <laughs> okay, Moss Crease. <laughs> the Devian. <laughs> Whatever you say, Morris. Yeah, I'm watching um, yeah. that one. You know, if you don't get out on the field, you can't expect me to know your name. Yeah, exactly. I just I just screw up, you know, the really good guys. Yeah, you know what? He's not going to be out on the field for Thursday either. No, he's not. You know, he likes that cigarette a little too much. And that's the same reason that LeGarrette Blount's out there. I blame Bell. If Bell didn't like the puff puff, we'd have LeGarrette Blount out there this week. Only one of them is has the last name Blount. Yeah, I know. And he's got the dreadlocks too. Does he have gold teeth? Because then you're you're totally talking about like a like a uh, you know boys in the hood type of guy rolling joints there. Yeah, I don't know, you know, who was supplying and who was just paying money to partake. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I wasn't there. I I didn't get the invite. Uh, exactly, exactly. You know, <laughs> but listen, um, I like what Deron Hammond brings. Uh, I I think he'll be all right. And you know what? If we were playing in the NFL ten years ago, um, you know. Dron Hammond drives his shoulder right into uh, Jermaine Curse in, instead of trying to jump over him. Um, you know, heck of a play there by Butler. Definitely heck of a play. Don't forget, we still got Patrick uh, Patrick Chung out there who had a very nice bounce-back year uh, in his second tour of duty in uh, New England. And, of course, second-round pick uh, Jordan Richards showed up all over the place. Whether or not he's going to be ready to play, um, you know, week one, we'll have to see, but he's got some coverage ability too, and he's not afraid to get up there and, and uh, you know, go after the run. Jordan Richards is a smart player, comes from Stanford, and... They're he, wicked smart. He, they're wicked smart, and he was... But they don't say wicked in California, do they? No, I think they don't say wicked anywhere outside of Boston. I think he's gnarly smart. Is that what they say out there when they're catching waves? Yeah, when they're shredding the rip. Yeah, he's tubular. Yeah, and... You know, that was a head-scratcher of a pick, but radical. He, uh, radical. he's turned out to look pretty good in the preseason. He's going to have to work his way up to become a part of the rotation, which I think he certainly 
has a strong chance to do by season's end. For now, though, I think you're going to see him primarily, if not exclusively, on special teams. Yeah, so that's three safeties uh, primarily on special teams. Nate Ebner, of course, uh, key special teams player, personal protector. Tavon Wilson, um, hard to believe that he's going to get through his entire, um, well, again, we're going into week one here, but hard to believe that he's going to get through his entire rookie contract with the Patriots. Yeah, you know, core for a guy. We know how much Belichick values those types of players and the third phase of the game. And, yeah, it's excessive, but... Again, based on how this roster is comprised, I'm okay with having Wilson and Ebner on the roster. Granted, you know, that could change soon. You never know. But as of right now and how the roster looks, I'm fine with it. Both contribute. And we, we know special teams is so underrated for how it impacts the game and specifically in regards to field position. If you go back and think about that win against the San Diego Chargers, Special teams, the ability to continuously pin San Diego back near its own goal line so that finally the offense, after getting good field position opportunity after good field position opportunity, was able to break through and give the Patriots the lead and ultimately secure a victory. Special teams was a huge, huge factor in that win, and it often they often are. Well, they definitely often are, you know what I mean? With uh, Jordan Riches from Stanford, you know, special teams, it, it's just going to, dude, it's going to be chill. It's, I'm stoked. It's gnarly. You know, it's radical in a tubular way. I think I just used every possible California catchphrase I could possibly think about. And I don't even think Jordan Riches is from California. He just played there. Um, but I can't use wicked when you talk about Stanford kids. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. Bobby, we got a few more minutes left to go here in the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about the other side of the ball. I mean, not, you know, offense or defense. Let's talk a little bit about the Steel Curtain. Let's talk about the boys from Pittsburgh. How can they beat the New England Patriots? How will they attack this team? How will they defend this team? Yeah, that's a great question because we know that your boy Ladavion, a.k.a. Le'Veon Bell, is out for the game. No, Martin- Which one is it? Is it Ladavion or Le'Veon? That's what, unbelievable. Is that's unbelievable. <laughs> It's, I had it, and I wrote it down, and then you screwed me up. Now I don't know which one it is. Forever lost. It's Le'Veon Bell, for those keeping track at home. Lazy Bell. And without Martavius Bryan as well, no Marquise Pouncey, which really is just as big of an absence for them as Bell is. And, of course, it's a longer absence because he's on short-term IR, designated to return. And like the Patriots, when it comes to offense, this is a Steelers team that will not be looking to run as much in this game but even without Martavius Bryant Pittsburgh still has tight end Heath Miller receivers Marcus Whedon and the the rookie Sammy Coates from Auburn they might even send Darius Hayward Bay on a few go routes take a couple shots downfield try and keep the Patriots defense honest so what you're looking at you know we talked about the secondary for New England and we're excited about what they appear to have back there well we're going to get a strong indicator in week one because Pittsburgh is going to test them early and often. Yeah, I mean, you do have some things. I mean, uh, Brown is just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, wide receiver. Had him on my fantasy league last year. He's going to be one of my fantasy picks. Not this week for DraftKings, but coming up, he'll be on my fantasy team for DraftKings. But the one thing that I want to see is exactly how this team goes up against Big Ben. I have nothing but respect for Ben Roethlisberger. I know, you know, a lot of people think uh, some bad things about Ben, but he's a winner. You know, he's been to uh, three Super Bowls. He's won two of them. Uh, he's as hard as heck to pull down. And So I'll be interested if they send pressure on Ben, and, and can they tackle him? And if they don't tackle him, is the secondary going to be able to hold out? Heath Miller's getting old. But he's still a pretty damn good uh, tight end. And Brown is, is my money, one of the best wide receivers in football right now. So the only question I have is that offensive line, as big of a loss as Stork is for the Patriots if he's not playing, uh, you're right, uh, you know, losing out on, and I lost his Pouncey. name now, Pouncey, uh, you know, because there's one in Miami and there's one in uh, Pittsburgh. So losing out on Pouncey, and I'm not going to try to figure out which brother it is, uh, loosen out on Pouncey, 
that's huge for them. So that could be uh, exactly what the Patriots are trying to do. Yeah, losing Marquise Pouncey, certainly a huge blow. You're always there for me, Bobby. You're uh, always there for me. Co-host, got to have your back, man. And yeah, I so, know. You know, when we look at Pittsburgh's defense, you know, you talk about Dick LeBeau no longer being there, which is certainly going to be strange to see come kickoff. Also, this Steelers secondary is their Achilles heel on defense. They ranked 27th in passing yards allowed last season, also yielded 253 passing yards per game, third most in the league last season. They're bringing back the same starters, which could be problematic for them. It's going to be interesting because on the one hand, you do get that continuity of having played together for a full season. But on the other hand, the results were clearly less than impressive. Less than impressive, ladies and gentlemen. The only type of impressive that is not impressive is less than impressive. <laughs> I try to be creative in my delivery. Mix it up. Exactly. I, I was I was impressed. I was, you know, impressed. So before we talk about the defense, I really want to know who's going to run for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, well, they signed D'Angelo Williams in the offseason. Freaking get it, and he doesn't even say anything about it. Did I miss a joke right there? Did something just go over my head? No, I totally said Le'Veon Bell. Oh, uh, you nailed it? I, I hit it, dude. It was like Human Aonui. I nailed it. I got it. Well, who, man? I, I doesn't even register when you say it anymore because I don't think you got it wrong. Maybe just the first time you ever tried it, but who didn't when he first came on to the Pats roster? I'm sorry I missed that. That's a that's a crowning achievement for you. So I'm sorry no. that I didn't hear that. Don't worry. On the Patriots postgame show after um, the Patriots game, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots postgame. After the Patriots postgame show, I'm sure to screw up Bell's first name at least six or seven times. He's not even playing. How many times are you going to bring him up? Oh, that's right. He's not even playing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, that's what I'm going to say. I'm like, you know, if Le'Veon Bell was on this team – Maybe they would have been able to run it against the Patriots. Well done right there, Jeff. Two for two. You're in fuego as you put a streak together now. You know, I'm starting to feel in fuego. I'm starting to feel NBA jam. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're heating up, and, uh, you know, that's good to see. And uh, good to see that Pat's beat is rounding into regular season four years. We get ready for the opener. Now, when it comes to the Pittsburgh defense, we talked about the secondary being the Achilles heel, but there is a lot of young talent up front, especially at linebacker. Ryan Shazier, they invested a high draft pick on Bud Dupree. Lawrence Timmons is the best player in that unit. When healthy, Jarvis Jones is productive, and of course, a familiar face at outside linebacker, James Harrison. Yes, James Harrison is a great player to pass on the Steelers' defense and how it is to be a Steeler um, to the younger players here. And, you know, James Harrison had one hell of a Super Bowl play uh, where he ran an interception back 100-something yards, but not as good as my man Malcolm Butler's interception to end the game. Yeah, no, no arguments here. You know, James Harrison, that play was one of the best defensive plays, one of the best plays, period, in Super Bowl history. For my money, you take into context the situation and Malcolm Butler. situation we're in. Malcolm Butler was the best play in Super Bowl history for my money. If that's not your opinion, I'm not going to talk you off that branch. But for my money, Malcolm Butler, goal line where literally if he doesn't make the play, his team loses the Super Bowl. He makes the play for his team to win the Super Bowl. I'm not sure there's ever been... Just one play where that is literally what's at stake. Couldn't agree with you more, my friend. Listen, wrapping up on time here, let's talk who we think is going to win this game uh, come Thursday night. Gillette Stadium, Super Bowl banner getting raised up. Your final score, offense and defense, the player of the game, my friend. That's right. It's time to welcome back an old tradition of ours. And... As far as the final score goes, both teams are going to be looking to pass a lot, but there's just there's so much juice, so much energy. Gillette Stadium's going to be electric. So I definitely have the Patriots winning this game. Whether or not Pittsburgh is able to keep their end of the bargain rather, in what could be a shootout, you know, is something that we're going to have to see. And so I'm going to go 
with a score of 34 to 17. Patriots win this one. 34-17 Patriots. All right, I'll give my score, and then we'll go back to offensive and defensive players. A little hard to be going to predict this year with the, the uh, extra point coming from the 35-yard line, but uh, I'm going to go with a Patriots 42, Steelers 24. I like that. I like that. And so now, as we throw it back over to me for offensive yeah. and defensive MVPs, offensively, MVP... I could be cheesy and say it's his night and go with Tom Brady, but instead I'm going to go with the tight end who we didn't see in the preseason, Rob the Animal Gronkowski. You know, he's pretty much good for a touchdown a game, and more often than not he'll get more than that. So I expect that trend to continue this season and to start opening night. I think Gronk is going to be a huge factor. He becomes – even more important than he already was, and he was pretty damn important to this offense and to this team's Super Bowl hopes. Without Brandon LaFell, though, that actually increases. So I think Gronk comes through for this team on opening night. He's my offensive MVP if the Patriots are to win, which I expect to happen. Defensively, MVP is a hard one to figure out for this game. But listen, the pass rush, the front seven, that's the strength of this defense. So I'm going to give it to Chandler Jones. I think he's going to either have a big third down sack or force a turnover at one point in this game. I'm giving it to the defensive end from Syracuse. Beautiful. Well, I am going to be a little cheesy. I told you earlier in the podcast I love cheese, so I'm going to be cheesy here. I'm going Tom Brady. It's his night. Four touchdown passes. Going to be unbelievable. The other two, there's going to be an interception return for a touchdown. Um, and then, you know, a, a run-in by one of the running backs. But Tom Brady's going to throw four touchdowns uh, in this game uh, to score 28 points there, and the other 14 will be scored, uh, one on defense and one by the running game. So Tom Brady uh, is my cheesy pick of the week to become the uh, MVP of the game. On the defensive side of the ball, <laughs> I'm going to be cheesy again. Malcolm Butler. Of course. Loving this kid. Going to shut down Brown. Mm He's going to take him. It's going to be downtown Julie Brown. There's going to be nothing that happens with this guy. Uh, it's just going to be awesome. We're just going to rock it from there. Don't forget, after the game, uh, check out the Patriots postgame show, www.blogtalkradio.com slash Patriots postgame. For Bobby Kavitsky, I'm Jeff Kane. This has been another Patriots beat. We'll see you guys on the flip side. Sports Talk Radio, CLNS Radio.